grew up in a, in a certain church with a certain hymnal that you sang your entire life, right? Well, you might not have every word of every song memorized, but you're very familiar with every song that they would open and sing. Well, that was the way Jesus was with the book of Psalms. And um, it would have impacted uh, profoundly his view of Yahweh and what a relationship with Yahweh would look like. To the degree that you and I understand the Psalms, to that same degree, we're going to be able to grasp how Jesus saw spirituality, how Jesus saw a, a journey with God, how Jesus understood uh, to relate to God. And we can follow suit, hopefully. Um, I was just thinking about how, <laughs> don't get all, don't, don't poke at me here, but for most people. We'll see. <laughs> for most people. Uh, I realize I'm not most people, but for most people, um, we have two, from a physical perspective, from a health perspective, we have two fundamental needs. One of those needs is physically to learn to progress, to improve, to um, get better, to get stronger, to get faster, just to improve and progress in our physical life, right? The other need that we have, the other challenge that we have is repair and restoration. Uh, we break down, we get sick, we break things, and uh, we need help with that repair and restoration. Hence, for most people, we, uh, uh, you need a trainer. Uh, somebody that can help you learn how to improve physically. Um, for most people, we need doctors um, that can help us uh, when we get sick, when we uh, when when we something breaks uh, or not working right, and the doctor can help us um, uh, get back in the game, get back going the way we're supposed to go. Um, so we need these people in our lives to, uh, to help us with progress, but also with repair and restoration. Uh, I feel like in many ways that's also true when it comes to our spiritual lives. We have those same two challenges, those same two needs. We need to progress. We need to improve. We need to grow um, in our spiritual lives, in our relationship with God, we need to learn to get small, uh, stronger, uh, better, wiser, uh, more like Jesus. And there are certain psalms that God placed in the Bible to help us with that, to teach us how to move forward, to progress, to get better, to have a clear understanding of what it means and looks like to follow God. There's also psalms that God has given us that would be more like doctors. <laughs> um, they are psalms that help restore us and repair us when we're sick or when we're broken. Psalm 42 would be one that you would place in that latter group, in the group 
uh, of, of Psalms that God gave us to help us when we are sick, spiritually, to help us when we're broken, to help repair and restore our souls. And so I just, I don't know, the last couple of weeks, I've just been thinking about this. And, and to be honest with you, um, I've just been thinking about some of the, the younger Christians, and I'm not necessarily referring to age, but just to your, the, your, the length of your journey with Jesus, how important it is that we be aware that there will be times when God seems distant. When God seems far away. When, when um, that, that intimacy that we once had, that joy, that peace, that closeness with God isn't there. And it's important for us to be aware of that. I can remember when I, I became a Christian when I was 18. I was a senior in high school and um, down in Whitehaven. And uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, the Lord Jesus was so real and so close to me. I mean, literally, uh, I, I'm not saying I could touch him, but he, he was that real that I could, I felt like I could, I could almost touch him. And, um, but there came moments in my journey since then where that has not been true. And uh, he has felt very far away, very distant. Now, I'm not saying he was far away. I'm just saying he felt far away, okay? And, but nobody told me anything about that. Nobody prepared me for that. Nobody sat me down when I first became a Christian and said, hey, now are you aware that right now you're in this, almost this dating relationship with Jesus, if you will. Uh, but there's going to be times where he doesn't feel so close. And you need to be ready for that. You need to be prepared for that. You don't need to let that catch you off guard. And it happens to every one of us. And if you trust in the Lord and follow the Lord long enough, you will experience that. Many of you are sitting here nodding at me. I can see your faces. And you're not going, yeah, I've, I've experienced that. I know what you're talking about. Um, this writer of Psalm 42 is in one of those seasons where God feels distant. God feels very far away. The writer is not suggesting in any way that he no longer believes in God. He hasn't lost his faith in God. He's just lost that closeness. He can't feel and sense God. He's lost his relational intimacy with God. For this writer, God seems distant. God seems deaf. God seems dumb. God seems distracted. Uh, God seems disconnected from him. He can no longer taste God. And that's what I was trying to say earlier. When I 
when I first became a Christian and, and since then at times, God seems so real that you can taste Him. It's like when David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are moments in your journey with the Lord where you're like, duh, of course. I mean, it's that powerful a sensation and an experience when you can taste Him and hear Him and feel Him and see Him. No, not physically seen uh, necessarily. Uh, I hadn't. Uh, I don't want to take away from anybody else's experience, but, um, but you can almost see Him. You can almost see Him. Sort of like when you know your wife's in the next room. Uh, you can't see her through the wall, but you, you just know she's right there. Um, this writer has experienced that relationship and journey with God. But not today. Not right now. He can't taste God. He can't feel God. He can't hear God. He can't see God in his life like he once could. He's going through a time of drought. Dryness, darkness, deadness, if you will. And um, let me go on and just say, because this is important, um, it's very significant to me that in Psalm 42, there is not a hint that the problem is sin. The Bible would tell us numerous times that there are times when that that darkness, that deadness, that distance that we feel in our relationship with God, it is the result of sin. We have chosen to disobey. We've chosen to say, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to do whatever it is that I know in my heart, in my spirit, God wants me to do. Or I am mm -hmm. going to do that which I know God doesn't want me to do. And when we choose that route, when we say, God, I'm going to do it my way instead of your way, one of the results of that is that we do create a, a distance, a barrier in our relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying God's gone anywhere. He doesn't run out on us, even when we are the biggest hardheads in Shelby County. Um, but we feel like he is, right? And there are times when sin is the cause of this darkness and dryness and deadness. But in this psalm, there's no mention, of, there's no guilt, there's no conviction, there's no mention that this writer has done something to create this, this problem in his life. So there's got to be other factors. I'll, I'll use the word causes, just because that's a that communicates the, the image that I want to say. There are other causes. I like better the idea of contributing factors. I do not want to make this mechanical. A plus B equals C every time. That is not the way a relationship with Jesus works. That is not the way a journey with, with Jesus works. Um, it's not mechanical. It's not formulaic. And when we try to make our relationship with, with the God of the universe formulaic and mechanical. And if I do A uh, and B, then C will always happen. And if this happens, then it's clearly because of, uh, if C happens, it's clearly because of A and B. 
Folks, that is, that, that's as foreign to an understanding of the Bible as a billy goat. It is not the way it works. But this writer does suggest that there are things, contributing factors, that could have, that it's reasonable to believe could have contributed to this distance, this dryness, this darkness. Okay, do y'all see that? Do you see what I'm saying there? I'm not trying to make this A plus B equals C, but there are factors that he mentions, and I'm going to talk about a couple of those with you just for a second. Um, the first one being is that he keeps ask the writer keeps asking, and, and, and uh, uh, Colin, you can keep that, or Justin, whoever's running about that deal back there, you can keep that up there on the screen if you want to. Um, he keeps asking, what have I done? Why is this happening to me? And the, he doesn't say it in so many words, but he's implying, have I done something to cause this? And I think one of the, the contributing factors to times of dryness and darkness in our lives is when we get into this place where we operate by cause and effect. And I, I know most of you pretty well. And some of you, you live like this. Uh, I know you do. And I tend to live like this. And that is, when bad things happen, I did something to cause it. Because if I'm crossing every T and dotting every I, bad things won't happen. When I verbalize that to you, I can see it in your faces. You recoil at that. You know intuitively that that's not right. That bad things do happen when we hadn't done anything wrong. But for so many of us, we get into this place where when I do feel darkness or dryness, the first thing that I do is I start questioning what have I done wrong. And the tragedy with that is that so often, rather than running to God, I will run away from God. I have, like, like a puppy that's gone to the bathroom on the carpet and you're looking around for the puppy. The puppy's going to hide, right? And that's the way we are with God. Um, that that, that cause and effect formulaic type philosophy or belief. And it, it's what Job's friends, those of you that are reading through the Bible with me. It's been several months now, but we read through the book of Job. And... Um, Job's friends personified this belief. That's what they were saying to Job over and over and over again. Job, when you were experiencing a life of blessings, it's because you were obeying. But now that you're not experiencing a life of blessings, it's because there's something wrong in your life. There's sin in your life. We don't know what it is, maybe, and you need to fess up. But that's the that you've done wrong, and then they do. But they ultimately start drawing conclusions, helping him out on why on why uh, all the bad things that he's done that have caused all these problems. But I just think it's so important that we we understand 
that yes, disobedience and rebellion cause problems in our lives. Yes. But if, you know, there's no greater challenge to that belief than the cross. The Lord Jesus had some bad days, didn't He? What wrong did He do? What wrong did He do that led Judas to betray Him? What wrong did He do that caused Peter to deny Him? What wrong did Jesus do that led Him to be arrested and slapped and tried and accused and spat upon and beaten and nailed? What wrong? We live in a broken world full of problems and pain. And often, we don't get a parking space. We have weeds in our flower bed. We get cancer. Our kids act bad. Our mates are meaner than the devil. And it's not because we did anything wrong. It's just a part of life. But if we're not careful, we will get consumed with you know, evaluating. What have I done? What have I done? What have I done to cause this distance? And we just need to beware of that. Um, the second thing that I would add uh, that he mentions here, and Shirley, any, anything you want to... Anything you want No, I'll keep going. I'll, I'll okay. pitch in. All right, you, you just jump in there. I got some ideas rolling. Okay. Um, second thing he mentions that I find very significant that, that I think contributes to spiritual darkness is spiritual isolation. And I don't know how to say this. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Before the Lord, I'm not. But I can't help it but tell you what I believe to be the truth. One of the things that this fellow, this person, <laughs> mentions is he says, God, I remember when I used to be with your people. I used to go to the festivals with the throngs that, were, that had gathered in Jerusalem to worship and celebrate uh, your, your, your salvation, your deliverance, your blessings. And now I'm, he doesn't tell us why, but now he's way up in the, in the very northern part of Israel, away from Jerusalem, away from worship, away from the people of God. He's isolated himself. And it's, it's impacted him negatively. And uh, I just, you know, this COVID deal, I'm not saying you know, that it's not a real deal. I'm not, I'm not in any way minimizing anything about the seriousness of that. But I can't help it. God created a journey with him to be experienced and lived out in community. I read this great statement by a, a, a scholar of the book of Acts. I was reading the other day. Here's what he said. He said, the book of Acts reveals that the earliest followers of Jesus, his implication is those that knew him best, that the earliest followers of Jesus were a community that lived by shared participation. Shared participation in the celebration of someone becoming a Christian. 
they gathered together and they baptized this new believer together in shared participation. Shared participation in the study of God's word. They gathered in houses and they gathered on, on riverbanks and they gathered in the temple and they studied God's word together. Shared partici uh, participation in the disbursement of resources and the service of, of each believer to the group. Shared participation in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, of prayer, and of worship. And he just, he made a big deal in this, this commentary that he wrote on that when you read the book of Acts and you study the lives of those that knew Jesus best, this, he's not dismissing the importance of individual, personal, uh, spiritual disciplines uh, uh, things that you would do just you and Jesus to help you in your journey with them. He's not dismissing those things. But when you read the book of Acts, this, the, the emphasis, the clear emphasis is not on an individual journey with God. It's not an emphasis on individual faith in God. There's very little individual anything. That was the whole point of what he was saying. It's all shared participation um, we, we, we need to uh, try to stand against that, that belief that is so popular and common. that is that I can know God on my own. I can grow in my relationship with God on my own I can walk with God alone that's just not true um, in, of Solomon the wisest man that ever lived said Two people are better than one, for they can accomplish much more work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity anyone who falls with no one to help him. If two lie down, they'll keep warm. But how can one stay warm alone? Though one be defeated, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands will not be easily broken um, that 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 the impact of spiritual isolation that belief that I can walk with God alone that has an incredible impact upon us feeling the distance of God in our lives after having gone through what we all have gone through in the last what 18 months maybe almost, <clears throat> and everybody experiencing it in, in a variety of ways. But for me, church and school, those are the things that I do hmm. for the most part. Um, you know, it's funny, as things began to come back, as students began to be able to come back to school, as people were able to come back to church, um, again, those are my things, uh, the language was exactly the same. What people said over and over, it took about a minute for me to realize that it was repetitive, over and over, and it was the same thing. It really is so much better together. Because we'd gotten used to watching things online, we'd been watching TV, I mean, uh, you know, services online, students have been doing school online. We had to. That was, what, what, that was the situation we were in, and we did what we needed to do. <clears throat> but as it came back, that language, almost a shock, almost like a, re, a reminder, <gasps> like when people would come back here and hear the music, live, even though it was a really good online. 
um, it really is that it really is better. I think that's your point, and we've just lived that. We just lived it, and to some degree, that wasn't a choice that we could make. It was made for us. Right. But the impact is still the same, whether regardless of whether it was forced upon us or not, the impact is still the same. When I try to walk with God alone, what happens is that I settle for less. It's exactly what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Right now, when I live a life that lacks love, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, his definition of love is how I relate to others. If I'm not, I cannot love alone. I cannot love alone. And so when I'm not in community, I see in part. I know in part. I, I'm missing. I'm missing the bigger picture of what a journey and a relationship with God is when I'm trying to do it alone. Dostoevsky says, love must have an object. Yes. I love that line. Yes. Yeah. Thank it's you. the same thing. Okay. Third one. Bad company. Several times in this psalm, the writer mentions people saying, where is your God? Where is your God? What that said to me, guys, is you want to feel distant from God? And I'm, 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 as, I'm being as sincere and as serious as I can be. You want to feel distant from God? Fill up your brain on Fox News. Fill up your brain with CNN. Fill up your brain with all these conspiracy theories. Fill up your brain with all this hate and, and, and slander and mud slinging. Fill up your brain with people continually speaking death and unbelief and hate and fear and greed and a lack of gratitude. Fill up your life with voices that are speaking that which is contrary to the voice of Jesus, and it will create a distance in your relationship with God. Um, Paul says in Galatians 5, Galatians, you were running your race with Jesus so well. What has happened? Do you not realize that a little leaven will leaven the whole bowl of dough? They had let voices into their lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. In Psalm 141, don't let my heart be drawn to evil along with people who are doing evil. We just need, I'm, I'm not saying that we ought to live in ignorance. I'm not saying that we ought not stay informed. And I'm not saying that we don't have to come to some conclusions about what's going on in our world. That's, I'm, I am telling you, what we fill our hearts and minds with the most will impact our relationship with God. Are they words of faith? Words of love, words of, of courage, words of contentment and gratitude, or are they words that are contrary to those very fundamental things that make up a relationship and a journey with God? Fourthly, 
I'll tell you something that, and he mentions this um, several times. We get to feeling distant from God when God's plans, God's activities don't match how we think God should be doing things. I'm not pregnant, and I think God ought to make me pregnant. I'm not married, and I think God ought to make me married. I'm sort of stalled out in my job, in my career, and I think God ought to make me successful and prosperous and powerful in my job. My kids aren't... God isn't working the way I think God should. His plans for me don't match my plans for me. And when that happens, it can really... Uh, uh, you see it with Job. God, what's going on? Where are you? This isn't the plan that I had in mind. Abraham, David, Moses, all of the prophets. God, you're not working things out the way I thought you would. And it is really doing a number on my intimacy with you. Did you want to talk about? I will. Okay. That, um, <laughs> so uh, one of the darker or more difficult periods of my life, and you might think of one of your own, and some of you have heard me tell this, um, was that uh, if you know me, you know, if you know us, that we, we have one child. And, and um, she's wonderful. Wonderful. She's glorious. <laughs> and that happened according to my plan. It became time to have a child, and I'm like, well, I think we should have a child. And then I had a child, and it was easy. And that was that. Um, and so a year or two or three later, I've forgotten, I said, well, two. I think too. I think it's time to have another child. And, and this sounds like a good plan. It was pretty easy. And what I really thought was, really, I'm, I'm blessed because that was so easy for me. So, praise the Lord. <laughs> Uh, and so the second go around, it didn't happen quite so quickly, didn't happen quite so quickly, didn't happen quite so quickly. If you know me, you know that I, we still only have one child. Now we'll only have one child. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. um, but the short version of the story is I tried everything medically almost there was to try, and it just did not happen again. And to Larry's point about Job, all of my friends, my real friends, but all of my real friends were like, well, maybe you did this, or maybe you should try. Everybody had some kind of elixir, or the grandma said something <laughs> or something that was I was doing wrong, that I needed to, you know, to fix so this thing would, would, would correct itself. And um, she kept saying to me, are you praying? Are you praying? God listens to you. Are you praying? I go, baby, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm doing what I want to do. And, you know, <laughs> finally, uh, you, the end of the story is that that dream, that promise, that hope, that there's no promise, that hope never was fulfilled for me. But what finally did happen was that somewhere around three or four years in, this little kid was growing up beside me that I was so, I was paying attention to, no doubt. Yes. But I wanted something else. And God said to me pretty clearly in my uh, thoughts, are you missing what I have given you? 
Are you forgetting or not? Or are you missing what I have given you because you want something more? Is this, is this not enough for you? And even then I made a bargain. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Because if I buy that, then I'll get what I want. And that took about another year. Um, that was a hard time. One yeah. of the hardest times for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard for like any feel like God's of us. forgotten yeah. about you. Well, anytime we come to the realization that God's plans for us... And Don't for, meet our expectations. Yes, He does not come around to our way of thinking. Yeah. For us and for those we love, that has great potential for creating distance. Uh, it's with God. And I don't have time to develop this. Thank you. I, won't, I don't have time to develop this last one, but... Two different times in the psalm, he mentions at the beginning, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Um, that's a, that is a rich Hebrew phrase. And what the psalmist is really saying there is, he was not sleeping and he was not eating. All he did was cry all the time. And then down at the bottom it says, my bones suffer mortal agony. And I took that to mean that we need to be very careful about having a dualistic way of life, of, of seeing ourselves, this idea that, uh, well, let me just turn around and say it in a positive way. We need to see that what we are and how we live physically that is a profound impact upon our spiritual lives. And the opposite. Spiritual lives. That is a profound impact upon us physically. We're one person. We cannot separate ourselves and make our put our physical lives over here and our spiritual lives over here. It doesn't work that way. We are one. Just like the Trinity is three in one. They are unique, but you can't separate the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, you, you and I cannot separate our physical lives when we neglect or abuse or mistreat um, our physical lives. That has a profound impact upon our ability to walk with God, to sense God, to enjoy God. And then lastly, let me just very quickly, we, we're over time, and I'm sorry about that. But... Uh, the writer mentioned several things that we can do to help us with when we're in these dark times. And I'm just going to mention them. One is, and Christopher, I appreciate you singing that last song, um, the very fact that we have Psalm 42 is a validation that this writer understood the importance of telling God that he was in a bad place, that, that something was wrong, that he did not... Feel that intimacy with God. Something was broken down and he went to God and had a little talk with him. That's so important because sometimes when we get into these places of being distant, we do the opposite. If God doesn't feel close, I'm just not going to pray. If God doesn't feel close, I'm not going to read my Bible. If God is distant, then I'm just going to embrace that and I'll just go in the opposite direction. Do you want to talk about your daughter? I'll, I'm going to pass. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. For time's sake. Okay. All right. Well, 
Um, I, we we've just been talking about how our daughter is so good when she senses any kind of relational friction or bubble or wave. In, my tendency is to run away. Mine too. I do that. I withdraw. If I feel like Terry, if you're if there's a problem with you, I go away. My daughter's exactly the opposite. She will chase you to the end of the earth. She cannot abide any problems. And she will, if, if she senses, if she's asked me once, she's asked me a, literally a million times, Lad, are you good? Are we good? Everything all good with us? Because she wants to know that everything is good. And if it's not good, she wants to know what it is and she wants to make it right. That's, the way, that's what the psalmist is saying here. It's important because he keeps saying, what's wrong? What's wrong with my soul? There's a problem. God, there's something going on and I want to deal with it. I want to make this right. If I have done wrong, show me. If I had done wrong, come and rescue me. But he goes to God. Second of all, and I sort of alluded to this, he evaluates, what's, oh my soul, what is wrong? Why are you downcast? He at least takes the time. He doesn't camp out here. He's not consumed with this, but he does stop and take spiritual inventory to find out what's wrong. Is there something that I need to change, add, delete from my life? He remembers at least two times. He says, in this place of darkness and dryness, I remember, I remember what I used to have. I remember what my forefathers had. I remember what God's done for me in the past. He, he forces his mind to go back to better days as an incentive that the... Um, the, to me, the most important thing that he says in Psalm 42, as far as what we can do when we're in these places, did you notice he's not writing this psalm primarily to God? He speaks to God a couple of times, but he's really not talking to God. I don't know if you read this, if you notice it when you were preparing to come today, but he also is not speaking to us. Do you know who he's speaking to? He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his heart. We live in a world that has convinced most of us that our heart and our mind and our soul knows best. Justin, what's that old gal that sings that song, Listen to Your Heart? Um, I was listening on the radio just the other day. It's a pretty famous uh, anyway, doesn't matter. If you listen to your heart, you'll wind up with the person with the love of your life. If you listen to your heart, it'll lead you to good places full of abundance and joy and power and success. Excuse my French. Bull crap. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's wrong. The Bible would declare to us from beginning to end we will, if we're looking for truth, we will not find it consistently with our heart. Not with our soul and not with our mind. If you and I want to discover what is true and right and best, we need to go to the Word of God.
We need to listen to what God... God will never tell us a lie. God will never tell us anything that's wrong. God will never tell us anything that's not best for us. And this person... He tells his soul, so listen to God. Don't be, don't buy into the lies and the deceptions and the selfishness that your heart and your mind and your soul will consistently tell you. Listen to the one that loves you most, that knows what's best, and will always tell you the truth. And I think that's so important. He tells his soul what to do rather than following his soul's instruction. And I think that's a powerful reminder for every one of us. All right, we got to end. We took too long. Shame on you. Yeah, okay. Um, anything you want to add, Brand? That's a good message. That's... Okay. No, nothing to add. Okay. Uh, August, Brandon, y'all want to come help me? Um, we end our service each week by taking that which at least represents bread and that which represents wine. And uh, more importantly, they represent the body and the blood of our Savior. And we eat and we drink. And we do that to just remind ourselves that at the end of the day, whether God feels close or distant, whether we are experiencing the, the, the joys and the blessings of God's abundance or not, at the end of the day, God has proven once and for all that we are His delight, that we are His joy, that He has committed to us, and that He has done everything that could ever be needed so that we can experience a future that is full of hope and joy and love. And that's by sending His Son to die on the cross. And if you've trusted in Him as your Savior, uh, I invite you to take this sort of bread <laughs> and this sort of wine and uh, eat and drink with me and just do what the psalmist in Psalm 42 says. Remember. Remember the blessings of God. Remember His love. Remember His sacrifice. Remember His commitment to you. And take Heart, take hope as one of my all-time favorite spiritual uh, mentors uh, told me years ago, E.B. Hill. He said, it might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. It might be dark, but God's light is coming. He promises, he promises, he promises. Maybe he does feel distant today, but he will come back to you in intimacy and closeness and warmth and friendship if you'll just trust Him and wait on Him. So you eat and you drink with me. To every walk 
used all someone they loved Long before it was the time You feel like the days you had were not enough When you said goodbye And to all of the people with burdens and pains Keeping you back from your life you believe that there's nothing and there is no one who can make it right. There is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, and love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing to meet you wherever you Cry out to Jesus. And cry out to Jesus. And those who made the marriage that struggled to hang on, we lost all the faith in love. And they've done all they can to make it right again. Still, it's not enough For the ones who can't break Their addictions and chains You try to give up But you come back again Just remember that you're not alone In your shame and your suffering There is hope for the helpless Rest for the weary for the broken heart There is grace and forgiveness Mercy and healing We'll reach you wherever you are And cry out to Jesus When you're lonely And it feels like the whole world's falling on you just reach out, you just cry out to Jesus, cry to Jesus. To the widow who suffers from being alone, wiping the tears from her eyes. For the children around the world without a home, say a prayer tonight. There is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing, to meet you wherever you Jesus, and cry out to Jesus. 
today. Lord Jesus, thank you that no matter where we are, who we are, what we've done, what's going on, you are close to us, closer than uh, our very breath, a beat of our heart. Uh, whether we can feel you or we can't, you're always with us. We bless you for that. Thank you that when we cry out, you hear and you come because your grace is always abundant. Lord, we do want to pray for our country today and for those that run this country, at least have been designated to do so. We pray, God, that you would give them wisdom and character and love and compassion and courage. We pray, God, that they would be filled with a humility that would make them turn to you and trust you and look to you for help and guidance. We do thank you for the unbelievable, innumerable blessings that you have poured out upon this nation. We sure are grateful. And we pray that you would not stop blessing us. But we do pray that you'd have mercy on us and that you would help us, teach us to learn how to be more of a blessing to a lost and dying world that needs you so badly. Please help us with that, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. Jesus said, Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer, we'll turn in. You know a little fire's burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. Jesus is 
beat. Tell the police as he walks his beat. Tell him when the Lord is ready. He got to move. Tell the lawyer, watch his urge. Tell the grand jury, notify the judge. Tell them all when the Lord is ready. Kodak's got to move. Tell the government, get ready too. Tell everybody, the internal revenue. Tell them when the Lord
She drank and was made richer From the water he gave her And it was not in the well Yes, gave her water Jesus gave her water Jesus gave her water I wanna let his praise swell Jesus gave her water He gave that woman water Gave a living and loving lasting water And it was not in the well on that he had pity She ran back to the city Crying glory, hallelujah And did his wonders tell She left my Savior singing She came back to him bringing The time she had water, Lord And it was not in the well Yes, gave her water Jesus gave her water Jesus gave her water I wanna let his praise swell Jesus gave that woman water Gave her that loving, lasting water Water And it was not in Well, Lord, that woman left for shouting There was no room for doubting That she had met a Savior Who did her wonders tell Every time she doubted him She started to think about him The man that gave her that water, Lord And it was not in the well Yes, gave her water Jesus gave her water Jesus gave her water I wanna let his praise swell Tell you he gave that woman water Gave her that loving, lasting water Water, 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 loving water And it was not in the well Jesus, 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 Jesus,
Before they ask her, 